There's a number of, of areas that there is some sort of assistance and that that is the banks allowing you to defer payments. Um, I've not gone into their nitty-gritty because it's one that I'm not overly in, in uh, favour of. I've spoken about this with a couple of our clients. They may delay payments, but the interest, my belief is, will continue to accrue and that's going to put you behind. So if you can continue to, to meet those loan repayments, yep, or restart them as soon as possible. There's the offer from the banks to lend you unsecured amounts. Once again, the pitfall is tomorrow or the day after or the week after or the month after, you've got to pay it back. And that's the thing that really concerns me, being able to, that people will rush in and borrow monies or defer payments. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of martialartsmedia.com, George Faree. This podcast episode is the audio version from a video that was published on martialartsmedia.com. For the full episode, to download the transcript and get all the show notes, head over to martialartsmedia.com. Enjoy. Welcome to a live recording of the Martial Arts Media Business Podcast. We are doing this via Zoom. We are doing this as a live session. If you are in the Martial Arts Media business community right now, you can Look for the link attached to this video, jump on, that way you're going to get the most out of this call. So the purpose of this call is to bring you up-to-date information about finances, what to be doing with your finances at this point in time, and stimulus packages, JobKeeper updates, things that are relevant to you right now. So to deliver that for you, I've brought on the one and only martial arts accountant, <laughs> David Simpson. How are you today? I'm fine, George. Thank you. How are you? Very good, thanks. Perfect. So uh, we did this session live in our partners group, where uh, our group where we work with school owners on, on marketing and so forth. Obviously, that's not the core topic right now. We're more focused on a lot of retention and doing pivoting with videos and keeping business, businesses afloat is, is a lot of the focus. And so I wanted to kind of do a rerun of the of that session and I wanted to do this as a podcast just that number one obviously things are changing day to day information is constantly being updated there's new information coming out that we need to be up to date with so I wanted to bring this uh, bring David on and get this out to you and there we go so David first up just before we get started if you can give us a just a two three minute roundup just um, who you are what you do and so forth I am a Martial artist. I run um, a dojo here in Cowra plus another one in Cootamundra about an hour and a bit away. I've been a martial artist since 1978. <laughs> it goes back a few years. Um, I've been running the school for the last 12, 13 years. Um, in all that time, I've also been a chartered accountant. Um, I did my studies and I took over running my own practice back in 1988. Um, 
I would say to people that I've been in the industry for 40 years. Um, I've probably got 25 repetitious years where I've done the same thing over and over again. Um, and on top of that, another 15 years of, of real experience where you're doing stuff and changing what you're actually doing. I've moved my accounting practice or I'm moving my accounting practice to focus on gyms and martial arts schools because that's where my passion is and I think I've got a lot to, to offer to them. In my own personal training as a martial artist, I'm a third degree black belt um, and also a black belt equivalent in Muay Thai. Uh, I go overseas to train in Thailand, but that's been cancelled because of things happening now. Um, but I've also managed to travel to China, New Zealand, Japan, uh, all as part of my martial arts. All right, fantastic. Okay, so if you're on this call live, please use the chat feature and ask questions. If you're watching this on Facebook, jump onto the Zoom session. That way you'll be able to ask questions and you're going to get the most out of the session. So I want to first off ask, when the whole pandemic started and as the shifts have happened over the last couple of weeks, what are the first things that you did in your business as an accountant? What did I do in my business as an accountant was I just went back and had a look at um, what we could afford to do as far as what can happen to our income. We made decisions on how we were going to proceed forward as far as we decided we were going with the, the video classes and things like that. And then we had to decide what was going to keep us in good with fair trading. Um, we had to make sure that you know, we weren't asking people to pay for a full service, which we weren't delivering. So we went back and restructured our, our fee system for the time being. Um, we notified our, our um, students and their parents of this, and we moved forward from there. We also then looked at what we could afford to do without government support. Um, that was really important for us. We knew we, we wanted to keep this going. In my own case, what is also interesting is I'm actually constructing a new building for the dojo at this very time. We're about a third of the way into it when the pandemic hit. We're about 80% completed now. So that's still happening. And so that's in the back of my mind as well. But it was a matter of, of restructuring, looking at uh, our staffing situation, uh, what we could do without killing ourselves. Gotcha. Okay. So what information is pressing that martial arts school owners need to know right now and let's just let's just start there and then we can elaborate on uh stimulus packages job and all those type of things as well well i was going to say that the main things that are important now is the job keeper um that is the the major assistance that is being offered to all businesses and in particular the martial arts schools uh, a lot of the other assistance out there that they're talking about um, and I haven't looked at individual states as far as the state's own grants, but I know in New South Wales, the 10,000 grant that they're offering in New South Wales is going to be useless unless you have employees. Um, so it just doesn't appear. So it is looking at what's going on in these various areas because that is what's going to financially keep a lot of us afloat um, and allow us to walk out of this uh, at the end of it with a very, very strong business again. Okay. So more on that, are you saying that if you don't have employees, you don't qualify 
whatsoever. Okay. Um, if you don't have employees, you qualify for JobKeeper or you can qualify for JobKeeper, but you don't qualify for some of the earlier assistance packages that were announced. So there was the uh, the, the cash cash flow to businesses one, uh, which was between ten and uh, fifty thousand in the first uh, instance, only applies if you have employees, um, so or had employees. So that's not going to apply to some, but it will to others. The non uh, assistance ones, as I call them, the um, increased. Um, write-off of assets and things like that if you spend up to 150000 It sounds good, but for most of us, it's not going to be anything that applies because we don't have the cash flow to go ahead and do those things. So a lot of the initial stuff that came out was actually of no major assistance to anyone. It was just to make people feel good. And that's that's a horrible thing to say about the government, but sorry, that's, that's what I, I said. JobKeeper, on the other hand, offers assistance in retention of our employees and actually in a lot of cases assisting them more than they would have had if they just worked their job. But it also provides assistance to some of us as business operators or business participants, uh, depending upon what your particular structure is of your, your dojo as far as the legal entity it's running through. So if you're running as a sole trader, yep, there's some, some assistance there for you potentially because you've, you've dropped your turnover, even if you don't have employees. So that's that's what the big thing. Right. Uh, Ross saying in the chat here, Queensland has a job support loan based on PAYG. Okay. Um, so, as I said, I haven't looked into those. Victoria and New South Wales have two very similar ones, and basically they're linked to PAYG, but you use the funds for any other expenses. It's not necessarily supporting the employment of your um, your your staff. It is to do with other expenses. I'm guessing that because someone is going to be entitled to JobKeeper if they have employees, that Queensland one is still going to be linked into whether or not you have employees, but the utilisation of that money um, can be for anything else. But the fact that they've gone with the loan, yeah, think twice before you take it on because you have to pay it back. You gotcha. I saw somebody post in Canada. Um, he was uh, using, well, the, the bank actually offered him all this uh, delays on payments and so yep. forth. And when he calculated it, it was costing him five grand yep. to actually do it. And yep. he had no way to actually get out of it. Yep. So <laughs> there, was, there was no way to back out. What are the pitfalls in this? Like if we had to be real devil's advocate, you know, a lot of it looks great. Yep, here comes the money. You can do this. You know, um, you saying it, it makes the government look good. What should we be really looking out for that looks great on the outside, but long-term has got some potential damaging effects? Okay, there's a number of, of areas that there is some sort of assistance, and that that is the banks allowing you to defer payments. Um, I've not gone into their nitty-gritty because it's one that I'm not overly in, in uh, favour of. I've spoken about this with a couple of our clients. They may delay payments, but the interest, my belief is, will continue to accrue and that's going to put you behind. So if you can continue to, to meet those loan repayments, yep, or restart them as soon as possible. 
There's the offer from the banks to lend you unsecured amounts. Once again, the pitfall is tomorrow or the day after or the week after or the month after, you've got to pay it back. And that's the thing that really concerns me, being able to, that people will rush in and borrow monies or defer payments. The other one is landlords. Um, you are able to negotiate with your landlords to get some rental relief. And it all that that's one that hasn't come out in the wash an awful lot of how they're going to be supported. Uh, but they also have have issues that they've got to look at as far as their their ability to pay their debt or whatever. But the thing there quite often is that you're going to then have to find the the resources at a later stage to compensate for that, depending upon the agreement you come to with your, your landlord. So once again, be very careful of what you are, are doing. Expenses, there's also there's support in relation to power and electricity and gas and things like that. They seem to be a little bit more uh, honest, at least if they're going to knock back the, the payments, they're not going to come back and bite you again. They're, they're looking at doing reductions in the actual cost to you. The thing you've got to look at is anything you you are doing, and this is probably not for our group so much, but for the much smaller operators who are doing this as a hobby, is is it worth putting yourself into potential debt um, and looking at where you can go in the future? Can you reopen, really reopen or not? I think we're going to find that a lot of our compatriots are going to actually disappear out of the, the system because they're not going to be able to come back in. So the, the big thing is future debt. That's what you've got to be careful of, what future debt you put yourself into. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So um, if you guys have questions, like this is your opportunity, right? You've got a accountant giving time. It's free, right? It's, uh, oh, I'm yeah. going to send a bill later. Don't worry. Right, okay, cool, cool. Okay. <laughs> so... Any anything you need to know, this is your opportunity to yep. to ask questions, and I'm going to keep probing. Um, but I would love for you to jump in the chat if there's anything that you need to know about finances, money, and what you should be doing, what you look out for. Please let us know. Ross saying good debit as in stock of or business development. All right, perfect. Let's just go to worst case scenario. Right, I'm a school. Yep. I haven't been able to pivot. Cash flow is starting to wear real thin and i'm faced with a couple of choices uh not many firstly what are your choices you know at what point do you actually say to someone it's, it's time to get a job or get some assistance go you know make a call and go into some debt and take that risk where would you go with with that look my my feeling is um as i said job keeper is probably the the strongest uh assistance which is 1500 a, a fortnight I would be, if I can qualify for it, I would be applying for it straight away, even if I don't think I need it, because we can then turn around and put that back into the development of the dojo once we reopen, which could be as soon as, what, July, if we're lucky. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I would be making the decisions, looking at it now and really going through your your stages. Look at the worst case scenario and find out yeah, how long you can keep going, but you should not go to the stage where you're going to go into massive debt if you can't get out of it in a, a short period of, say, six months. 
And um, because really, when you look at it, most of our businesses are the sort of business that that don't have a strong asset backing. They're based on current cash flows. And if it means closing it down now and then reopening in, in six months' time and starting that up, that's going to be a better option than digging yourself a really deep financial hole now and trying to trade out of it later on. Perfect. You might have to make the call and just say, look, let's temporarily close doors and then it's really just starting from scratch. Or, well, it it won't be starting from scratch completely, but, yeah. Yeah. You won't won't be starting from scratch completely because you've got your database of all of your old students. Uh, You can come back in and, and make contact. I think this group has been able to do a lot um, with their their live classes, their, their uh, streaming classes, their video classes, and that has kept a lot of, of interest and, and kept their students connected. And they and I'm getting messages now from mine saying, yeah, when do you think we might be back? Because we're so looking forward to getting back again. Uh, yeah, the, the classes are great. It's, it's helping us, but we want to get back together again. And so being able to contact them on that level is going to work. It really is. All right, perfect. So I've got a, I've got a few questions jumping yep. in the Facebook group in here. Um, yes, uh, I guess just on that, you know, we we are we are discussing the doom and gloom, like the yep. the the heavy consequences. But I mean, you know, my advice for anyone is there is a choice to go down that route, and there is a choice to choose and adapt. Yep. Just looking in our in our partners group yesterday, one of the guys, I think it was Ben. Um, 30, 33 online trials. He's replaced yeah. everyone that's cancelled, and and it's growing. So it's out there. I know for some it's a it's a hard thing to swallow that you know you're venturing into this online world that you didn't officially plan. But uh, it's it's the online business is definitely better than the consequences no, that we're discussing. <laughs> yeah, definitely so. All right. So uh, Damien, uh, let me let me just cross over here. Damon was asking, is JobKeeper tax-free? Does it add to your gross turnover? JobKeeper is taxable income. That is uh, something that we were hoping to get around before, but no, they came back and said it is taxable income. It does not have GST on it. So basically it's not a matter of one-tenth of it or one-eleventh of it goes back to the the tax department as GST, but it will be taxable income to the entity. So basically... If you are doing it for your employees, yes, the three, the 1500 a fortnight comes in and then you pay at the 1500 So it is actually zero uh, impact on your income. So you're paying them uh, and not having to, to report or not having to pay tax on it or to supply the income. If you are registered as the business participant, it will be taxable income to the entity. So it may be you if you're a sole trader or the partnership or the trust or the company. Uh, it will be taxable income to the entity. Yeah, so there is that. But if we then turn around and use that money either for our own income or to uh, support the expenses of the dojo, we've got the the offsetting expenses as well. That's good to know. And, uh, Brett, I'm going to jump to your question and then uh, just want to make sure, just to keep it congruent. So Damien's follow-up questions was, Details on the alternate income tests for schools less than 12 months old or yes. not registered for GST? Okay. Um, so going back, we'll take that the other way around. If the school is not registered for GST, that is not an issue because what happens is that 
um, is being based on uh, your tax returns. So if you, as long as you've lodged uh, a tax return for the year ended 2018 and showing that there is income from it, if the tax return is also lodged for the 2019, that's even better. But if not, so long as you've got a tax agent or an accountant who's got you an extension of time, everything there is going to be sweet. You don't need to be necessarily lodging business activity statements. Going back to if the school is under 12 months old, the alternative is you look at when it was started. And there are two or three sort of tests you can look at, which depends on um, what's going to suit you the best, starting from the first full month of operation. So you can take all of the income for the uh, period up until the end of March from when you started. So if you started mid-October from the 1st of November and use that to work out your average uh, monthly income or average quarterly income, depending upon what you're using, and then compare that to the current. Now, it may or should be easily done, and you know, those records are all there. So it's they've actually come to the party and, and said, yes, if you've got a, a new startup, but also the new startup can be where you have increased dramatically your turnover. So if you've had a, a massive growth, um, you can use that as the, um, the basis. And a massive growth can be as low as 15%. So they've got a couple of, of different um, scenarios where there's 50%, 25%, 15%. But if you've got a massive increase in your student base and your fee base, uh, you can still use that. So even though you may have been in uh, business for two, three, four, five years, you can still use the alternative there where it's to your advantage. This is Good info. All right, Danielle, I'm going to jump to your questions in a minute. Brett's asking in the chat here, my 70-year-old 70 70-year-old 70 instructor hasn't done anything to help himself and he's overwhelmed. Uh, he has an ABN and yep. hasn't learned anything since March this year. Hasn't learned? Earned? Earned. Anything, earned anything, uh, anything since March this year? Uh, what do you recommend as far as JobKeeper versus JobKeeper with his age? Question, is he on the pension? Age pension is a big thing. Because if he's age 70, uh, this may be something that is running parallel. Um, so we'd need to go into those. Basically, if he has just closed shop, we may have a little bit of a, a difficulty in proving that he's still active in the business or the business is still active. So he needs to be possibly doing something there. Brett's saying not on pension. He's not on the pension? Okay. So basically, he should get in contact with his accountant. Um, is it a, a very large school? As in, would he been GST registered in the past? Uh, so doing private lessons only. 20 students, no GST. Okay. So he's, he's still like a, a micro business. That's not a problem. Get in contact with his accountant and get the registration for JobKeeper done. Um, it's a lot simpler dealing with the ATO um, to do JobKeeper than it is with the um, with Centrelink to do JobSeeker. <laughs> um, gotcha. And, and I, I believe it's yeah, it's it's a much better way of doing it. So yeah, I'd be looking at that because if he's not on the age pension at seventy, he may be in receipt of some uh, personal superannuation pension. 
if that's the case, being 70, it's not taxable income. The only taxable income is going to be his investments, his school, uh, school fees and job keeper when he gets home. But it sounds like he's dropped his 30% quite easily. I'd be getting that registered. Cool. Uh, Brett's saying thank you. All right. Um, checking the Facebook group here. Uh, question from Donnell. $192 tax, dollars t- tax taken from the staff for the 1500 job keeper. Is that correct? Yes, it is. So $750 a week. Uh, the tax on $750 is $96. So that's $192 for the fortnight. Cool. And Donnell's saying one thing we have found as an advantage is having staff with excessive annual leave take this leave under the JobKeeper program that this might help some schools. Yep. Um, actually, I, my wife's a radiation therapist as well. They've all been annual leave. <laughs> yep. Yep. Annual leave at home. Great. <laughs> what do we all want? <laughs> all right, cool. Let's see. Diana. Uh, hey, Diana. Uh, I don't have employees. I've applied only to JobSeeker and it has been declined as my partner earns $2,000 more of the threshold. Yep. However, he has spent more money of his salary trying to adequate his home office. Any suggestions to make it fair for us? Okay, for, for you for starters, um, so you run your own school as a sole trader? Uh, that's the question. And if we can get a yes or no back on that. If she's if you're running it as a sole trader, you can still register for job keeper for yourself so long as your so, so long as you qualify under the reduced um, turnover. So if you can if you can meet that, what you do is you register for JobKeeper. Once again, at tax department, I know everyone hates them, but they're a lot easier to deal with than the, with Centrelink, um, and you will qualify for that. Uh, Diana's saying yes. So yes so, for it, so, so it is a sole trader, yeah. So that's fine. So it's just simple. You can do it yourself, but seriously, I recommend that the your accountant does it for you not because I'm trying to get more fees for them, uh, but it just keeps it nice and simple. Um, what has to happen is uh, you will sign a declaration saying, yeah, I qualify, and then on a monthly basis, uh, within seven days at the end of the month, you will have to report your turnover each month. Um, but once you qualify, that comes, uh, that stays in place until the 27th of September. So you'll receive payments all the way up to there. So even, say, for example, if we go back to running our dojos at full speed from the 1st of June, if we've qualified for JobKeeper, uh, yeah, JobKeeper, we will continue to get those fortnightly payments made. And we would continue with our employees paying them, of course. But if it's for ourselves, we continue to get that, and that is going to help subsidise getting up and running again. All right, perfect. This is really good. I hope you guys are getting great value from it. If you are, just give me a thumbs up. If you're watching this on Facebook, give us a thumbs up and let us know. So two questions, Ross. I'll jump to you in a minute. Jack Lung is asking, uh, hi, Dave and George. If we get to reopen our school soon and the business gets better, say in three months in July, uh, say the drop in turnover is less than 30%, do we still get JobKeeper till September? Yes, okay. So... The, the way it works is when you have got your, when you've qualified for your drop of income, so we're looking at, say, March, month of March, month of April, whatever, once you've met that qualification, there it's in. It's, it keeps going 
uh, until the end of the, uh, the program, which is a six-month program to the 27th of September. You are going to be reporting your uh, monthly income, but that isn't to make sure that you are still qualified. It's merely to, to look at what the numbers are doing. And we've been told that it's so the government can use that to see how the economy itself is going on a monthly basis to look at whether there's any growth happening there or if we're returning to normal. So categorically, they're stating that if you qualify, sorry, once you qualify, you don't have to re-qualify every month. It's you've qualified and it just moves forward. Perfect. Jack, let us know if that was... That was sufficient there. All right, cool. And let's jump to Ross. Uh, looking forward, do you believe that banks will ease lending policies as I'm looking to buy a building for my dojo over the next six to 12 months? Honestly, no, I don't. That's, that's <laughs> The reason for that is they are scared as hell. Um, with all the, not, not just with this, but prior to this, the investigation that went into the banking system, uh, they clamped down really harshly on uh, what they were doing. They're, they're looking at supposedly giving some leniency at the present time, and if they do do that, they're going to put themselves in a situation where they can't afford to be too lenient once we come out of this again. They're going to stay fairly harsh because they've had their fingers burnt. There's just no way that they're going to be, oh, back to the... The, the 80s was a wonderful time for borrowing. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you walk in there and say, look, I don't really need the money, but can I have a couple of hundred thousand dollars and they just give it to you? Um, and But in more recent times, the investigations into them, the, the Royal Commission, it just brought up too many things and because of that, they're very, very gun-shy. Okay, perfect. So follow-up here from Jack. Some people got uh, PAYG boosting when they launched their BAS on the 28th of April. Some launched two weeks and got nothing. Do you know what's happening? System over crashed. Typo, some lodged two weeks in advance, but got nothing. That's interesting. Um, I'm not sure how they can lodge two weeks in advance um, <laughs> because depending if it's a BAS, they, they've got to report their GST sales, et cetera. Basically, it is just a system thing. They're doing their best. They have they still have got a, a, a two-week time frame. Of course, to be eligible for that cash flow boost, they had to be registered before the 12th of March for PAYG withholding. So some of those who aren't getting anything may be the ones that were not registered for PAYG withholding, but I've seen uh, the ones that my clients that have been launched, uh, they've been coming through fairly quickly. Cool. So just checking in for some questions. Uh, Jack, let us know if... If that was sufficient, if you are on the Zoom call, uh, great, Damien, Ross, Diana, any other questions from you? And if you're watching this in the Facebook Live, uh, give us a give us a shout if you have a question. I know there's a bit of a delay in the Facebook group while we're just waiting for one last take of questions. Anything that you'd like to add? Anything that I haven't asked or haven't explored, or that that you know is good to pay attention to now and in the next coming months, and especially. Uh, well, next coming months, obviously, in the lockdown state, what we're in at the time of recording this, uh, versus, you know, when we start swapping things around. I suppose I've been focusing on what's happening now in the lockdown stage and, and looking from the point of view of what's going to 
becoming to us in the, in the form of assistance. Once we come out of this, um, we haven't got a, a, a big time frame to make use of any of the, the benefits uh, that the government are offering us from a tax point of view because uh, 30th of June, it switches off unless they decide to, to extend. I think the main thing is that we, we really need to look at what skills we've picked up over this, this period and how we incorporate that back into our, our business. I mean, it's time to, to look at our business, not as just what we've been doing. You know, we were talking about the 70-odd-year-old the uh, uh, sensei who has just not done anything. Um, and I, I, that may not be to do with, with his classes or anything else, but I think we've, we've gone into a very, very rapid learning uh, period here that gives us a chance to take a little bit of time to step back and look at our, our, our businesses, our dojos, uh, from the point of view of, gee, what can we do here? What can we do to expand and make this even better? How should we be using technology and, and things like that? I know it's not the, the straight accounting thing, but they're the, they're the things that are going to provide you with extra income streams and also the, the way to, to move forward. I think we should also be looking very seriously as what is the structure of our business. And an example that I'll give is if you have a situation where you have two or more business owners running their business through a partnership and they're just doing it as a partnership and not taking any sort of salary in the form of PAYG withholding, under the current circumstances, they can, you can only get support for one of them. Wow. So you, you may have three people who are actively working in the business and, and working it hard and are drawing their, their salary, their income from it. Only one will get supported because you can only have one business participant unless they are an employee, which means sole traders, yet there's only one of you anyway. If it's a partnership, there could be up to 20 technically. But if it's running through a trust or a company, you really need to you have the opportunity there to do a PAYG withholding. And so everyone who's on wages can be supported. So, yeah, we're not going to have another pandemic, we hope. But there are a whole lot of reasons why we should look at how we're structuring our business. That's, that's a big thing. Perfect. So just as a, and I'm going to take this as, Probably the last question. Jack saying the session is very helpful. Thanks once again for putting your time together. Yeah, thank thank you so Pleasure. much. A couple of questions jumping in here. So Ross asking, how long would you ask for rent relief from landlord? I've asked for six months. They've offered two months. Uh, structure of business you would suggest company and trust. Okay. I would ask the landlord for uh, six months and see what they come back with, the two month, and then if they are giving you two months, depending on what you're talking about relief, is it 100% relief or is it 50% relief? And then once we get close to the end of that period, enter into the negotiations again, talk to them again. Because the thing is they don't want an empty building. Um, any, any intelligent landlord knows that having a tenant that is paying less than full market is better than no tenant at all, um, especially in this period where you're actually not doing any damage to the place. There's no wear and tear. It's, it's, it's empty. Yeah. It's not doing anything. Um, so they have got costs granted. If they've given you 100% relief for the couple of months, I would approach them and ask them yeah, to seriously consider 
doing another two months or three months at half rental after even after we're re-established because there's a lot of yeah ground to be recovered to do to get us up and running again and yeah even if it means that yeah we pick it up a little bit later on but yeah i'd I'd be asking that um as far as the structure side of things it's horses for courses it depends very much it's i mean if you are a sole trader you're the only business owner going into a company may not be necessarily the right thing to do having said that my dojo is run through a company I am the only business owner involved in that that company or in the dojo, but I also have another business to the side. Uh, and because of the way I've done that, I'm fortunate in that I don't have to aggregate the income from my accounting practice with the income from my dojo in working out if either one of those businesses qualifies for JobKeeper. And it also means I have the ability to uh, do different things moving forward it's very much a matter of talking with someone who knows what they're talking about to see what suits you and they've got to listen and it's what suits you not what they want to pedal gotcha okay so ross saying 50 percent is what he requested and levels of protection as a question i'm assuming you're talking about the structure yeah yes um you've got to have the appropriate insurances in place is a big thing Levels of protection are not with companies and trusts are not what everyone expects them to be. They think, oh, I've got it in the company, I'm safe. No, it depends upon how, because you'll be in there as a shareholder and a director, and it can come back to how you act and what uh, you have in place. So levels of protection may not be 100% there. If you're talking about asset protection as, as a different thing, that depends upon what assets you have and and what people you have in your life uh, as far as partners and things like that, the best way of putting all that together. So once again, it's it's not a one, one, one size fits all. It's a matter of uh, you really need to get it tailored to fit your circumstances, very much so. Awesome. I think that does it. I mean, that was a lot. Thanks so much. That's Look, been super valuable. I'd like to just... Uh, I put this out to anyone listening. You know, if uh, David's a martial artist, martial arts school owner, knows the business side inside out and fortunate enough to be an accountant as well. So has a different set of eyes looking into the business. So if that's something you need help with, you need a new accountant or if you just want to chat to chat with David and ask advice, definitely reach out to him and uh, like to ask, how do, what is the best way that people can reach out to you, David? Okay. Um, I mean, I, you can get me through Facebook and things like that, of course, but probably uh, an initial email um, is probably the, the one of the quickest ways or uh, a phone call. So my email, George, I think you have, it's david at baileysimpson.com.au. So it's B-A-I-L-L-I-E-S-I-M-P-S-O-N.com.au. Or you can get me on my mobile, uh, which is 0427 and it just started ringing. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, not yet. Not yet. And, and I'll tell you, if it comes through is, um, with, without any identification of the number, I won't answer it. So you'll, you'll get a message back and you'll leave me a message and then I'll ring you back. But, uh, <laughs> you get too many scam calls coming through trying to sell your stuff. Yeah. Uh, so but no, I, look, I think that, I'm, yeah. I'm quite happy to, to speak with anyone um, because 
it really is difficult to give a generic answer to a lot of things, um, totally. especially when you start talking about structuring and, and things like that. It's a, it's a matter of it becomes a relationship. You need to sit back, have a chat, find out where the person is, what they're doing, what what is their their situation, and then talk about it. That's perfect. Yes. So, I mean, this this was really good as in to give those generalities, the general consensus of what we were discussing. But yeah. if you need the real structure, you know, for your particular situation, do reach out to, to David. Um, yeah. This will, we'll be sharing this video, but we'll also be publishing this on martialartsmedia.com. Uh, David, thanks again for your time. My pleasure. My pleasure. Much appreciated. And I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for listening. If you want to connect with other top smart martial arts school owners and have a chat about marketing, lead generation, what's working now, and or just have a, a gentle rant about things that are happening in the industry, then I want to invite you to join our Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group and in there I share a lot of extra videos and downloads and worksheets, things that are working for us when we work, help school owners grow and share a couple of video interviews and a bunch of cool extra resources. So uh, it's called the Martial Arts Media Community and an easy way to access it is if you just go to the domain name martialartsmedia.group. So martialartsmedia.group, G-R-O-U-P. Uh, there's no .com or anything, martialartsmedia.group. That will take you straight there. Uh, request to join and I will accept your invitation. Thanks. I'll speak to you on the next episode. Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.